0: Welcome to the Know Water Methodist Church podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. Hey friends, so glad to have you join us on our podcast We're happy to present to you once again our time in worship that we had this last Sunday where we reflect on four lectionary readings, as we often do. And the theme for the day was mostly around this phrase from Isaiah, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. And of course, uh, it's not talking about having amnesia here, but it is talking about us having a right relationship with our past selves and our history. So um, Psalm 126 uh, ties that together a little bit with God having been faithful and covenant to us when we are we turn our backs on our own sin and then Paul and Philippians talking about where our righteousness comes from and our call to be in unity and then finally the story of Mary washing Jesus hair with spikenard and drying it with her hair and Judas's reflection on that so not all of it's perfectly tied together but um, generally it was a it was a a worthy reflection time on how it is to be in right relationship with God, considering the fact that we were all born in sin. So I hope you enjoy your your time with us. Um, you're, we're recording this just uh, before Palm Sunday, and then Holy Week is, is what follows that. So it's a big time in the life and work of the church, and it's a time where we're really reflecting on the last days of Jesus, and then It leads into his resurrection. It's a a joyous time. Uh, Today is also the day that my new baby is due. So uh, just be in prayer for me and my wife. If you hear this later, either we already have a new baby or we are tired of waiting. So anyway, hope you enjoy the podcast today. God bless you. Bye. Okay, so we're going to have a reader come up in a second, and they're going to be reading from the prophet Isaiah, who was an exile prophet um that he's one who preached before during and after the exile it probably wasn't him that was doing the after and during but anyway that's neither here nor there he started off warning the people hey you're being really bad you need to stop it and repent otherwise God is going to bring in the Assyrians and Babylonians and they're just going to trash you guys and it's going to be terrible and they did not repent the Assyrians came in the north and wiped out the northern Israel The Babylonians came in the south and did the same with the south, and then what took place was the exile. Those who weren't killed, most of them were flung out to the far reaches of the empire, and they had a generation, actually more than a generation, 70 years I think. I should have looked at this before worship, 70 years where they lived away from their homeland, away from their neighbors, and they were surrounded by Gentiles. But they maintained their culture, they maintained their relationship with the Lord, and finally he brought the Judeans in the Babylonian Empire, not the northerners, the Judeans, he brought them back, and they were able to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And they were able to reconstitute their old country of Judea over time. Isaiah is giving a prophecy to the people that God is going to call them back and start a new chapter with them in this relationship with them. So we're going to hear the particulars of that, but I wanted you all to be able to appreciate it because we're hearing in the King James right now. It's not easy to track, but these are the broad strokes of what we're going to hear in the King James. Let's welcome our first reader to come forward.
1: Good morning. morning. Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 21, which you can find on page 1034 in your pew Bibles. Listen to the word of God. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, Keep not back, bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes, and the deaf that has ears, let all the nations be gathered together, and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this, and shew us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses, that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, It is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have shewed, when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I have sent to Babylon, and I have brought down all their nobles, and the Chaldeans, whose cry is in the ships, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Remember ye the former things, Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself, they shall shew forth my praise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: So it's, it's a long reading, but it's a good reading. And God is, uh, I think it would be fair to characterize him as flexing his muscles right now. Um, and God can do this because God is God. Uh, he's not boasting as we would think of boasting. He is reminding his people who he is so that they can take confidence and strength in him. What he's saying is he's going to call them out of exile. They've been flung across the far reaches of the earth and he is going to bring them back to reconstitute the land of Israel and indeed God did do this with the southern kingdom of Judea. There are many Christians today who think that whenever Christ returns it's also going to happen with the northern kingdom of Israel. That there were Jews flung about at the Assyrian empire that never came back. And maybe that began with the Zionist movement in the late 19th century. That the state of israel and is going on today maybe it's something completely different i don't know what i do know is that this prophecy was partly fulfilled god did call back from the north and the south and the east and the west his children from judea and they were allowed to come back and they rebuilt the temple in jerusalem and they rebuilt the walls and they rebuilt the 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 priesthood and the kingship it was an amazing ordeal because can you think of if you were separated from all your friends and neighbors and family and you were a stranger in a strange land and you, you would wanna fit in, wouldn't you? You'd wanna do well where you are. How hard do you think it is to hold on to your faith, hold on to your culture, hold on to your tradition rather than just give it up and give in to whatever's going on around you? But that's what the Jews did. For decades and decades, they raised up their children in the faith so that finally, their children's children were able to come back ...and restore the fortunes of Israel. We're going to talk about that with the psalm. But the thing that I think is worth... There are several things worth talking about in this one. The Lord is beginning by saying... Yes, this is Isaiah talking, but he's speaking through Isaiah. He says, you do not need to fear... ...because I am God and I am going to help you... ...and there is nothing that can stop me. So, yeah, let's look at uh, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh the way in the sea... Uh, well that one's cocky too Where am I looking for Okay verse 12 I have declared and have saved And I have showed When there was no strange God among you Therefore you are my witnesses Saith the Lord that I am God Yea before the day was I am he He's saying I was around before day was even created uh, Before the day was I am he And there is none that can deliver out of my hand He's kind of talking trash Isn't anybody can take you out of my hand None can take you out of my hand. I will work and who shall stop me, he says. Nobody can stop me. We often have this picture of God, well, he's, he's, he's working good things, but, but it can get screwed up and, and you know I need to hedge my bets and I need to put my money in the right place and I need to have the right friends and I need to have everything provided for because God might not come through for me. That's not the impression you get when you do this reading. God, he comes through 100% of the time for his people. Maybe not the way we want, Don't hear me saying, this is not prosperity gospel time. He is not going to make you rich. He's not going to keep conflict and suffering out of your life. However, when you're in his hand, nobody can take you out. Nobody can take you out of his hand. You can choose to leave, though. And if you don't believe that he's powerful, you will choose to leave. You will put your trust in things other than the Lord. Because that's how human creatures are. But that's the thing. When you put your trust in anything but him, that's when he leaves you. That's what he's not going to help you. He is not going to continue to prosper you, or even worse, sometimes he does continue to prosper people whenever they're away from him, and they think they're with him. They think he's with them, and then they get to the end of their life, and what did Jesus say he would say to people who lived outside of covenant with him whenever they came to enter his kingdom? Y'all remember in the, get away from me, you evildoers. He doesn't say, I don't know you. He says, I never knew you. Ah, so mean. When Jesus is willing to say that to people, whenever he said, I'm going to say that to people, do we believe him? God here is so good to his people when they put their trust in him. But if they put their trust in any other gods, any, any, anything else, he's no longer with them. So the people put their trust in other gods. They did. There were all kinds of gods of the area that they were living in around Israel. And they started worshiping Asherah and Baal and Molech. Those are the three that I really know in the area. But there were others. And the thing is, God, the, your relationship with God is like a relationship between a husband and a wife. And how's it going to work out for me if I say, Sarah Beth, you're a lovely woman. I love you too. But I'm going to start sleeping with a couple other women over here. Is that going to work out well for me? And it shouldn't. And it shouldn't. And that's what we do with the Lord. That's what we, Anytime you put your trust in something else other than God, you are putting your trust in not God. You are cheating on him. And he is rightfully offended by this. So he, he sets himself up against these other gods. Verse 10, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And there he says his own personal name, not the Lord. And beside me there is no Savior. There is no Savior. Now let's be clear. Are there other spiritual powers in the world that are not aligned with God? Yeah, sometimes we call them demons. Um, throughout the Bible, it's very clear. There are other spiritual realities, other gods with a lowercase g. But there is no God like God. There is, God is before all of them. He created all of them. And then they rebelled against him is the story of the Bible. He's not saying there are no other spiritual realities. There are no demons. Otherwise, what was Jesus doing when he casted out demons? Was he lying to us? You know? Those of you who've walked through a dark place, you know there's demons. I've seen demons, not with my eyes, but I've seen what they do to people. You do too. There are other dark spiritual realities, and they often demand people's loyalty. This is what they do, and they say, I can be your God. I can help you. I can get you what you want. And you know some of them can. They can get you money. They can get you a a job. They, They can get you all kinds of things, but they can't save you. They cannot save you. And in fact, when you give yourself to them, you give up your salvation. So here God is saying, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Nothing can save you. Doesn't matter how many guns you have. Doesn't matter if you have a bunker. Doesn't matter if you have gold stored away. Doesn't matter if you have the biggest bank account on earth. Doesn't matter if everybody in town loves you. None of that can save you. Only the Lord. Now the Israelites, the thing that I'm going to camp out on here now, there's a lot other – oh, I did want to say something about the dragons, did you notice there's dragons in this? Y'all were already sub so bored, you didn't hear the dragons? The, the beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls. How many of you went, what, dragons? There are dragons in the, the Bible, the, the Hebrew word is tanim, problem is here, the actual Hebrew is tanin, not ending with a m, but ending with an N. And it's probably jackals. But I like the dragons better. So we're sticking with dragons. Uh, but there's dragons in other places in the Bible. Even if this one isn't dragons, it's, it's fine. I find that really interesting. You guys are already bored. If, we're, if dragons does not perk you up, I don't know what to do with you, okay? Giant fire-breathing lizards. That's what I'm talking about right now. And you're sitting there, okay. The thing we're going to camp out on now is the part where God says remember not the former things neither consider the things of old behold i will do a new thing now it shall spring forth shall ye not know it i will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert so this is a theme we're going to return to for the rest of worship god doing a new thing and whenever he says remember not the former things now he is not prescribing that you and i somehow become amnesiacs he is not saying I need to just forget everything that happened in my life before I knew Jesus. He's saying I should not be ruled by or informed by those things. That's what he's saying. I walked in darkness for many years. I blasphemed the Lord. I was an atheist outright. I remember painfully the things that I said and did, and they inform who I am today. They keep me from that. They warn me from that. What it's warning us about here, has anyone, I know nobody here has ever struggled with addiction. Have you ever known an addict? When they finally get their lives together, it's really hard because they have to keep their head up when they're, especially if they're surrounded by people who saw them at their worst. And they have to believe that they can be a different person. It's really hard to believe you can be a different person when people around you are going, I remember you just six months ago, man. I was there with you. You're no different. If you don't have room in your head for you to be a new person, it's so easy when you're an addict just to go, you know what? I am the same person. I'm never going to be anything different here. I'm going to give in. Whenever God is saying, Remember not the old things, He's saying to the Israelites, Don't feel like all you'll ever be is this unfaithful spouse to me. He's saying, You can do better. I will help you do better. You can be new. We can be new together. I'm doing a new thing. Will you join me? And likewise, we in our lives, Some of us have darkness in our past that has very much been rooted deeply in us, and that's a part of our self-understanding. And if you are enslaved to that, and Jesus is calling you to righteousness, and you're going, well, I've only ever been this way, Jesus. I I really can't imagine being any other way. You're just going to have to love me as I am. Then you are not saved. You will not be saved. You will get to his gates to the kingdom, and he will say, get away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you because you didn't do the new thing with me. Jesus said, unless you be born again, you will not enter the kingdom. You have to be reborn by water and the Spirit. That is is it. And if you don't believe that you can be reborn, then you can't do a new thing with Jesus. I feel like I'm speaking really clearly right now. Are you all hearing me? It doesn't matter if you've been a jerk every day of your life. It doesn't matter if you've been a sinner, an awful person all your life. All that matters is you answer God's call today to do a new thing with him. All right, let's, um, let's go to our psalm number, uh, it's psalm 126, it's on page 847 of your hymnal. And we're doing response to, and it sounds like this. For the night weeping may tarry, with the morning light comes joy. Let's sing that together through once, and then Cody will lead us through the psalm. For the night weeping may tarry, With the morning light
1: comes joy. When the Lord
0: restored the fortunes of Zion, We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, And our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. For the night weeping may tarry, With the morning light comes joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negeb. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. For the night weeping may tarry with the So the theme has already been established that God works things for the good of those who love him. And God is not limited by us, but can do all kinds of miraculous things. In the Isaiah reading, we just had we had God making streams in the desert. Likewise, in verse four, restore our fortunes, O Lord. This is in the psalm we just read, like the water courses in the Negev. The Negev is that triangle shaped piece of land northeast of Egypt. Nowadays, it's a desert it's saying that god can build water courses in the desert. God can build water courses in the desert. Could Jesus bring dead people back to life? Well, then can he make a sinner like you into a saint? Okay. That's the that's 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 the Christian case right here is that Christ not only died for our sins on the cross, he not only shed his atoning blood that cleanses our sin, but he sent his holy spirit to sanctify us and make us holy as he is holy. And I, I've preached that multiple times before. Hopefully that doesn't scandalize you. But here it's, it's talking about this time when God restored the fortunes of Zion. What's Zion? Jerusalem. The city of God, Sarah Beth. Yeah, Jerusalem. It's the heavenly city of Jerusalem. And it was overrun and the temple was destroyed whenever the Babylonians invaded but as I told you a little, about a little bit ago, the Jews were allowed to come back and rebuild. And according to the book of Ezra, when they re- relayed the foundation of the temple, it was such a momentous event that everybody was wailing in joy and in sadness so they could be heard from miles around. And it's saying, I remember that powerful experience of seeing God restore my fortunes, our fortunes. And I think the reason that's written down is because you and I, anybody ever had a powerful moment in your life? You know, we're sitting here in a place where Most of us, all of us are here, hopefully, because we've had a powerful moment with the Lord where we felt His atoning blood applied to our hearts and we've been born again, you know. But the thing is, we humans, we're so messed up, we'll have a powerful experience and then we'll go back to being who we were before. And we'll wake up and have mundane lives where we don't feel all that holy or all that special and we're not even looking for that. And I think things like this were written down to remind we've had some powerful experiences with the Lord. And my everyday experience needs to be informed by that. I should not be going through my life just taking for granted everybody and everything and just feeling mundane and just kind of punching my time card till life's over and then I get to get my wings and fly up to heaven. No, it's right now is the time to be holy. Right now is the time to be in union with God and his church. Right now is the time to dedicate everything we are and everything we have to who Christ Jesus is. Because of what he's done for us so there's a lot more to be said about this but uh there's not time so let's go on to our third reading and in this one it's going to talk about the concision or the circumcision and he's going to be really dogging these guys and the the thing is that within the early church there were some people who said with jesus it's a new covenant and we don't need to be good jews we can just have direct access to jesus there were other people called judaizers they were not jews There were Judaizers, and they went around to churches full of new Gentile converts, and they said, actually, Jesus is really not happy with you until you become a Jew like him, so all the men line up. We need to circumcise you, and so Paul declared war on these guys because he said, the Jewish covenant's great, but it's not for the Gentiles. Jesus came for Jews and Gentiles alike, for a new covenant. And so he he would call uh, them the circumcision faction or people who were of the flesh who said that they needed to be circumcised. And he was against them. He said, we are the true circumcision. You're gonna see some of this language in here where we are truly God's people and we don't need a physical circumcision for it. So um, apparently we're gonna talk about circumcision again today. We did just last week too. Anyway, Doug's gonna read to us about it.
2: Our third reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, chapter 3, verse 1 through 16, which you can find on page 1656 in your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of God. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I may also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, though I counted loss for Christ? Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but done, that I may with Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is God by faith. Though I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made comfortable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press forward toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything, ye be otherwise minded. God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereas we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I
0: feel like I, I already explained theologically what's going on here why he's attacking the concision the circumcision uh, faction but then he starts kind of bragging a little bit starts talking about his street cred here's why I would be selfishly interested in the law he's saying I have no self-interest here I could say everybody needs to step up to the law because that's a realm that I do really well in I was circumcised on the eighth day I'm a Pharisee I hated the Christians as to observation of the law, he said, I've done perfectly. I'm not guilty of anything in the law. But he says, still, all this stuff I account as dung. What's dung? That's poop, yes. That, that's in the Bible. He's saying, all of this is like excrement. It's no good for me because what I have in Jesus is so much better. So, he says, my life is about Jesus' righteousness, not my own righteousness. He says, I'm not even concerned about my righteousness. I'm just concerned about winning Christ. And he says, you know what? I have been living my life for Jesus. I've been traveling for him. I've been working miracles in his name. I've been making enemies. But even so, I don't think I have attained salvation yet. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. you hear the theme for today here? Remember not the things of old forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are behold, before i press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of god in jesus christ and that that's pretty much what i preach every sunday i know i'm, I'm a broken record i've been here like seven years i preach the same five sermons every sunday we just have different scriptures that we time together in but the thing is we humans, we naturally take miracles for granted and forget them and live mundane lives. And we naturally get content in, sinf- in the midst of sinful lives around sinful people when we really shouldn't be. What Paul is saying here is even though he had grown in holiness greatly, he still wasn't content. He knew his whole life was about marching on, pressing on toward Christ Jesus. And that's what life is about. Life is not about sitting in contentment. Life is about pushing towards the goal of Christ Jesus. That's what life's about that's what we're doing here whenever we're coming in to sit in the sanctuary yes the pews are comfortable but you're not here to be comfortable we make you comfortable while you sit so the preacher can make you uncomfortable so you don't go home and sit you go home and you pursue jesus i'd like to think we're going to do that this week we need to move on hymn number 553 I wanted to, I forgot why I selected this one until we sung it in the last verse, or in the last service, and the last verse says, let us take up the cross till we the crown obtain. That means, get it, and it's talking about, if you've read Revelation, whenever you achieve, when you're welcomed into God's kingdom, he gives you a crown, okay? So, until we die and are welcomed into Christ's kingdom. Let us take up the cross till we the crown obtain, and gladly reckon all things loss. So we may Jesus gain. So it's, it's hearkening to Paul's words here. I, I account all these treasures as dung, as loss, so that I can gain Jesus. So that's the prayer we're ending on. And then the rest of this is, is talking about our shared life together. And that, that reading that we just did ended on our shared life together. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Let's all have the same opinion. And if, anything, if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this to you. He's going to show you that you're wrong and you need to be like us. That's what he's saying. We all need to be of one heart and one mind. That's what the, the sacrament of communion is about. There's one bread, one body, one Lord of all, one baptism, one true doctrine. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. So what, part of what we're doing here is we're trying to be like Jesus together in all the same ways. So that's why we're singing, And Are We Yet Alive? These are the things we're thinking of. I'm going to stop talking. Let's sing. Okay, our final reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, which you can find on page 1509 of your Pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of the Lord. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, nope, sorry, yeah, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Where Lazarus was. I've missed that was there. Where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. So this is after Jesus came and raised him from the dead. Okay. Verse 2. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. I think it's safe to assume he ate? It would be weird if you didn't. Verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, spoiler alert, it doesn't say spoiler alert, that was tacky, I'm sorry, verse 5, why was not the ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag, and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you. But me ye have not always. This is the word of the Lord. Now there's, there's a lot of sermons one can give on this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give one half of one. But yesterday, uh, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I posted a video of a guy much smarter than me talking about this passage He called it weaponized compassion. And he talks about this phenomenon of Judas saying, hey, shouldn't we care for the poor when actually his heart is not really towards the poor? And this is a phenomenon inside of the church and out in the world where people often try to compel the behavior of others, supposedly for guilt tripping them to care for the least of these or the less fortunate. It's a real thing. I benefited greatly from listening to that message. I reposted it for your benefit, so go home and watch it if you want to. And if you don't want to, it's America, and we're fine. Um, The main thing that I I wanted to focus on was uh, Mary here. If you read the story of when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead, he was already dead, he'd been dead a couple days, and as soon as he shows up on the scene, both Mary and Martha, Martha, Lazarus' sisters, came to him, and their words were kind of harsh. They said, My Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And we often impute these, these nice tones. Oh, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Oh, you're so wonderful. I've always imagined that these women are kind of mad. Jesus, what's the point of being friends with you if you're not here when it counts? That's what I've always heard. And you hear it how you want it. Once again, this is America. But the thing is, here he is later. He's welcome in their house. And they're not mourning they're not bent out of shape they're not traumatized by what they went through with lazarus lazarus is sitting at the table eating and mary not only is she not traumatized but she has liquidated a year of assets to buy spikenard she anoints his feet wipes them with her hair is this a practical gift this is the definition of impracticality okay it's the same thing as a, a man who buys flowers for his wife. That's not practical at all. Okay, She's not going to go plant them and build a garden. You can't convert those things into money. They die a couple days later. That's why I don't get flowers for my wife. Even so, the sentiment holds we do things to show our love that are impractical, that don't, they're not economical. We, we oftentimes look at humans. We're in a capitalist nation, so we've learned to look at each other as homo economicus. We are money people. We are material people. I my money I use in practical ways it does things for me practically and there are a lot of people who if it's not practical they're not going to spend that money that's why some people don't give to the church well they don't need it they're doing okay is that why people give money to the church because the church needs it are we some beggars here oh please give us some money we're not beggars here we're God's people we don't need money and God doesn't need money you need to give money For your own spiritual well-being and if you don't you're spiritually sick not just to the church but to the poor did jesus yes he says the poor will be be with you always does that mean that jesus didn't care for the poor he clearly from the rest of his ministry cared for the poor we're explicitly told to care for the poor the thing is though our lives here the purpose of them is not to care for the poor it's to serve jesus It's to be holy as he is holy. That's the purpose of our lives. And when that's the purpose, we will help the poor. Because that's what flows out of it. But Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. That's what Jesus says. You keep first things first. You keep the kingdom first and your righteousness first. And after that, yes, help the poor. But if you don't even put God first... If you don't have any sacrifice for him, and yes, I'm talking about money, but I'm talking about a lot more than money. If your relationships are not informed by him, if the way you work your job is not informed by him, if if the way you serve in your household is not informed by him, then you are giving him short shrift. Mary here knew the prize and the treasure that was in her midst, and man, she spoiled Jesus while she could. And did he appreciate it? Yes, he did. Just like when my wife comes and gives me a back rub, oh man, everybody stop talking to me. I am soaking it in. That seems to be who Jesus was in the midst of this. Look at this wonderful gift that she has given me. Don't anybody say anything negative about it. He corrects Judas, and we all know what happened to Judas later. For us today, what's the, main, what's the thing we want to end on? The thing we want to end on is what, where we started. The main message I want to give, if Mary had been so disrupted by her past, she couldn't have focused on the present or the future with, her, with Jesus. She was able to let the past go. What happened with Lazarus happened, and it was awful. She got to see and smell her brother decomposing. Nothing can undo the fact that he died, but Jesus showed up, he made things right, and there was a new life in him that had a lot of blessings to behold. Each of you has a past that doesn't want to let go of you. And you can be ruled by that past. You can be like an addict that falls back into addiction. uh, the, The scriptures call it like when a a pig that's been washed returns to its mud. Or like when a dog vomits and eats it back up. That's what it's like when we return to sin. Bible said that. I didn't say that. I did just literally say that. But We're not supposed to be going back to our sin. We're supposed to walk in newness of life. And by the power of God, can we? Let's stand and sing our closing hymn, Because He Lives. Number three.